This is Franchise Today, brought to you by FRM Solutions, providers of the best-in-class software solutions for franchise relationship management. Franchise Today is your destination for weekly information, conversations, and interviews with accomplished industry leaders, all of whom share best practices for sustainable growth and sensible franchising. Here now, your host, Stan Friedman, to kick off this week's podcast. Today is Wednesday, September 23rd. I'm Stan Friedman, and this is Franchise Today. I've got a fascinating conversation with Jeff Duden coming up for you today. But first, thanks again to Gary Gerke for joining us last week and sharing his brand of wisdom shared through the eyes of a guy who certainly knows the ropes when it comes to franchise communications. And having Jeff Duden here today, following Gary's episode last week, will make for a great one-two punch. But first, a quick break right here, and we'll be right back with Jeff Duden. Franchise Today will be right back, but first, a word from our sponsors. We are all familiar with Vistage, YPO, and EO. Well, now comes Zorforum, a somewhat similar type of executive group, but this one comes with a twist. Zorforum groups are exclusively for franchisors. Imagine a peer group for sharing and networking on a platform built exclusively for franchise executives. Zorforum members are afforded unparalleled access to best practices and some of the brightest minds within the franchising world through regular meetings and a dedicated communications platform. In this post-COVID world, a franchise-specific mastermind or peer group is an endeavor worth making time for. Zorforum groups of 6 to 10 will bring leaders together that are in similar situations, but with exclusivity in terms of their competitive set so that each can openly help others benefit from their respective knowledge, perspective, and experience with no fear of competitive loss. Network, learn, strategize, and remain motivated along your journey. Join a peer group, not just any peer group. Join the only one designed for emerging franchisors. Join Zorforum. Learn more at zorforum.org. That's www.zorforum.org. So, more about Jeff Duden. Jeff is an author, founder, podcaster in his own right, undercover boss, coach, YPO regional chapter chair, Forbes contributor, and an all-around franchising executive and guru with 25 years of experience founding, building, operating, and ultimately exiting a national franchise brand. Jeff's journey as an entrepreneur began as a college athlete who founded a business to paint student housing. After graduation, he assisted South Florida in recovering from Hurricane Andrew which led to the launch of AdvantaClean in 1994. As a leading national restoration franchise, AdvantaClean became a strategic partner with St. Jude's Children's Hospital to support families in need when they needed it most. In January of 2019, AdvantaClean was acquired by Home Franchise Concepts to create a combined network with over 1,700 franchise territories operating in 11,000 cities in the U.S., Canada, and Mexico. After the successful sale and his exit from AdvantaClean, Jeff has set out to help others build sustainable businesses and franchise systems. Jeff Duden, welcome to Franchise Today. Thank you, Stan. Glad to be here. Well, I'm happy to have you here. Jeff, there's so much we can touch upon, and we will let this interview go where it takes us. But the one thing that's a standard with every interview each week is the discussion about how franchising finds us, not we finding it. And I'm going to ask you to roll back the tape for me and the audience about when that was for you and how it happened. 
Sure, Stan, I'd be happy to do that. And for my story, it's important that we go back to really the beginning and my first entrepreneurial escapade, which was a painting business that I started in college. And I grew up in Chicago and I came out to Appalachian State University in Boone, North Carolina on a football scholarship. And while I was there, I loved it, fell in love with the town, and I decided that I wanted to stay over the summer, but I needed income and the local food service places just wasn't going to meet my needs. So with a roommate, I started a painting business. And the first year we did a couple of jobs and some residentials. But at the end of that first summer, we were able to meet the property managers that manage student housing apartments and win some of those opportunities. So that became our specialty. And we built a powerful business using all of the athletes that wanted to stay and take classes over the summer. And we would have crews of 15 people painting a dozen or more apartments in a day during the lease change. So I was really excited and I learned a lot. I learned about hiring and staffing and production and payroll and taxes and all of that. So when I graduated school, we continued with the business and I was looking for my next opportunity. And a buddy called me and said, this hurricane has devastated South Florida. I know that I painted for you in school. What are you guys doing? And they invited us to come down and work with them. So I went to South Florida to help the people of South Florida recover from Hurricane Andrew. Two years later, started the business in Central Florida. This would have been 1994 now in the insurance restoration space with three partners. And I moved back up to North Carolina in 1995 to start our second location and get married. I had become engaged to my college girlfriend and we decided that we wanted to live in the Carolinas. And it was a great opportunity to expand the business as well. So opened the business and over the next 10 years, we became national and somewhat international restoration company. And we responded to every disaster that made landfall in the continental US as well as the Caribbean. And we became a government contractor and And we also did institutional work in hospitals and universities and and the like. So we became a very capable contractor. And I'll always remember that I had bought my last partner out in 2004. And in 2005, we had brought in some consultants and I already had the idea of franchising the business. I had seen that the restoration industry was highly franchised. I had competed against them and I had a good understanding of how it worked and, and what those organizations look like. And I had decided that that was a path that I would like to pursue. But after responding to Hurricane Andrew in 2005, I remember we had gone down there and I had personally responded for 90 days and set up a facility and and a storm response. And we ended up working down there for five years. And I was driving back, I was driving all night from the Gulf Coast back to North Carolina to catch my son's football game. And I realized that I had missed almost his entire season. And it was on that drive back that I decided that I was going to commit to a franchising path so that I could not have have to be chasing jobs all over the country and all over the world. And I would be able to be home uh, because really, and I didn't understand it when I made the decision at the time, but our true values are the things that we must have and also the things that we won't tolerate. And for me, I wasn't willing to tolerate not being home, not being present. I saw what it looked like to build a restoration business and be on the road all the time. So when I came back after a short while, I announced to our executive team that we were going to sell all of our locations in the 
Southeast. We were in the Carolinas and in Florida under a franchise model, which we did in 2006 and seven and eight. And we learned how to be a responsible franchisor. We perfected our systems in customer acquisition and call center. And then in 2009, we launched to the public through a broker network. And nine years later, we ended up with 230 locations operating in 37 states. And it was the best decision that I ever made to franchise the business. It was a long, hard road, but that is how I came to be a franchisor. And thus, this is the story of AdvantaClean. That is correct. So you started this first from a background of painting into restoration, and you became self-taught at how to build both a restoration business and a franchise model of the restoration business. Talk a little bit about those disciplines that helped you become so learned and know how to go about this, both in terms of doing it and franchising it. That's really an important topic of conversation, especially if you're an emerging brand out there. When we went to South Florida in the restoration industry, we actually threw in with a large restoration company for 16 months. And that is is where we cut our teeth in the restoration space, how to handle insurance claims. Originally, I hired my first franchise attorney consultation in the late 90s and 97 because I had identified that as a way that I thought I wanted to grow the business. And for some reason, when we started franchising, we did not seek out the counsel that now looking back, I realized was available to us. And it's one of the reasons that it took us so long to come to market. We created the Advantage Clean brand in 2000 and we franchised it to ourselves per se and to our company stores. But we didn't ask, we didn't get involved in the industry. And I think that delayed delayed our growth in terms of franchising because we were trying to figure it out ourselves. If I had it to do over again, I would get out there a little bit more and talk to people who with experience in franchising and really get out into the franchise community. So we launched, but I will also say that we did some things differently with AdvantaClean that I think ended up being a competitive advantage for us. The way we handled call center, the way we booked appointments, some of the things we did early on with technology when technology wasn't as readily available in the mid 2000s. So we did some things that maybe traditional franchise organization wouldn't recommend, but in the end, the way technology evolved, they ended up being fortuitous decisions. And the organization, Jeff, where would you say your strength lied in terms of building? Was it on the development side? Was it on the roll up your sleeves and operate side? Where as a CEO? And were you the CEO the whole way, all through the years? I was. I was the CEO from the beginning till the sale of the business. And it helps when you're growing a brand that you have inspired leadership. And by that, I mean somebody that is authentic in the space, somebody that knows the business inside and out, somebody who believes and champions the system. What does the system stand for? What are the values? How do we acquire customers? What's our unique proposition to the customer? And that was really my role was a leadership role and trying to recruit and find great people that had powering talents in certain areas. And then, you know, because I had come from the industry, I had technical expertise in terms of how the business needed to operate overall. So really a subject matter expert, but I learned early in my career that finding great people that had specialties or areas of focus that they were brilliant at was a great way to grow a business quickly. And at some point along the way, you became a TV star and were featured on Undercover Boss. I'd love to know more about what motivated that and what you were expecting to find and what you found and how big was the delta between the two. 
Undercover Boss was interesting from the decision point because for those of you who have watched the show, it's clear that the companies that are on the show don't have any control over what actually gets shown on the show. And for us, it ended up being a, an incredible way to highlight the wonderful people of Clean. I felt like when we went out into the market that we would land on good owners that were honoring the opportunities that were provided to them by the customers, that they would be trying their very best to do a good job and to represent the brand well. And largely, that's what we found. So very satisfied with the decision to do it. But it was a tough decision because personally with our family, we're private people. And for example, people that my children went to school with, they didn't even know what we did. And when you get exposure like that, it has a tendency to shine a light on some things and people to make inferences about you and those types of things. So we, we sat down as a family and we made a decision, but we have a set of family values that include things like trust yourself to take chances, fail fast and move on, always do more than is expected, those types of things. So when you can't have those things up on the wall or on the refrigerator, as it may, at home for all those years, and then turn down an opportunity, even though there's risk inside of it, which is a great parallel to franchising. Many people have a business, you're an emerging brand and you're saying, I'd like to franchise this business. You've built a model and let's just say that you've spent five years or three years or, or 10 years building a blueprint. You've built a unit. It does a service. It's a restaurant and you've perfected it to the extent that it works for you and you've worked out all the kinks, but it's really just a blueprint for a franchise model. It's not a franchise model per se. And then you get to this startup point and I see it all the time where people get some documents done and maybe they think franchising is, I'm going to get somebody to sign this paper and they're just going to send me royalties forever and it's going to be great. But they really haven't gotten in touch with anyone that lets them know how a franchise system needs to work in terms of support or how expensive it might be and how important it is to have a steady stream of new franchise prospects coming in the door. So they end up with a friends and family round where people open two or three or four locations. Then as they start to internalize and they get educated as to what it's really going to take, there's a point of vulnerability there. And I think that's why so many young systems struggle or eventually don't make it. It's because they haven't put the resources in place in the right order at the right time to be able to provide a, the kind of support where franchise owners are going to be successful and validate. You know, you're articulating something that I think is very powerful and it applies both at the Zor as well as the the Z level. I think it's all about proper management of expectations and then delivering on those accordingly. I think a lot of people get into franchising as franchisees and really don't have a clear understanding of what they're signing up for. And they think, okay, I bought this now. It's up to you, Mr. Franchisor. Time to make me rich. And that doesn't work any more than franchisors who, as operators, may have operated a great restaurant or a great restoration concept. But becoming the franchisor is a whole lot different than being the operator, isn't it, Jeff? It is. Is in, in the businesses that I currently operate, we work with emerging brands to help them as a franchise sales organization and help them find great new franchise owners and bring them into the system. Or from a consulting perspective, through my family office at Duden Partners, helping emerging or prospective people that want to franchise. We consult with these people and we have a variety of tools and education for both pre-franchise companies and emerging brands. It is important that from the moment that somebody interacts with your brand, online. 
the very first twinkle in their eye, the very first Facebook ad or press release or whatever it is. And then they reach out to your brand and they get contacted by somebody and they go through a process to get introduced to your brand and to evaluate your brand. And then they come in for a discovery day. And then hopefully if it all goes well, they become a franchisee and they go through a pre-opening and a training and, and eventually go out and execute their business. Absolute consistency of expectations from the very first moment all the way through not only 90 days after they open, maybe through their exit. People are all right as long as they know where they stand up front. People sometimes get caught in the trap thinking that they have to over-represent something or it's better than it is. The quality of life is better than it is or the business is easier to operate. People appreciate the truth. People appreciate knowing what to expect and getting their jaw set for it. We always wrap up training with this is going to be the hardest thing you ever did in your life because we all have things that make us comfortable and most franchises have exactly one best way to operate. And depending on our nature, how we grew up, what's hard coded into us, who our parents were, where we went to school, if we went to school, what jobs we've had, we have these life conditions that we've come to expect. So we come into a new business and we bring all that trash with us. And part of the franchisor's job is to train these people from wherever they come. And they all come from a different place with different beliefs, different habits to get them to operate. There's just one exact right way to run a Rockbox franchise or an Advanta Clean or a Mobot. There's one best way to do it. So getting all of these people to do it, the first thing you have to do is be honest and absolutely transparent and set an absolute realistic expectation for what life is going to be like to successfully operate the business. I would always rather see a franchise or under promise and over deliver than to disappoint in the other direction. You can tell them how hard it's going to be. And if, if it winds up being a little easier. Well, that's okay. But the other way around just never seems to work. So hats off to your philosophy on that, Jeff, because really that is the all important thing in franchising, isn't it? It's all about building trust and how better to do that than to properly manage expectations. Relationship equity is on my balance sheet, one of the most critical accounts that you can have. And relationship equity is built over time. You build it in the moments where you pick up the phone and you're not in a hurry to talk to a franchisee. You build it by really listening and constantly finding ways for franchise owners to make more money and constantly finding ways for franchise owners to acquire more customers and not rolling things out that aren't researched, tested, and proven. There's all kinds of ways, but that account on the balance sheet of a franchisor called relationship equity is critical to build over time. And people have to understand the value of the relationship between the franchisor and the franchisee because I will tell you, and we saw it this year, the unexpected will happen and crisis will appear. And it may be, Stan, a mistake that we made as the franchisor. It could be technology. It could be marketing. It could be who knows what it is. It could be we let a rogue franchisee go too far without being checked. And now they've done something that has become very public and tarnishes the brand. All of these things test the relationship between the franchisees and the franchisor. And you've got to have a full account of equity because you're getting ready to burn some of it. You're going to have to call people. You're going to have to call your influencers, your opinion leaders. You're going to have to talk to these people and get them to be the voice of calm in the storm and to be on your side and to let people know that this wasn't intentional and nobody's trying to hurt anybody. And the way that we overcome this is together as a group. So the worst thing you can do is not do what you're going to say, do what you say, or, or not honor the opportunities that these 
franchise owners give you to be a meaningful part of their life. We're talking with Jeff Dudin, who is a consummate franchise executive, author, coach. He's a Forbes contributor. He's an undercover boss. He's a founder. He's a CEO. He's a YPOer. He's just all around got all of the right check marks on the right buckets in the world of franchising. And when we come back from a very quick break, we're going to ask Jeff about his book and talk a little bit about Hey Coach and how that flows into franchising as well. We'll be right back with Jeff Dudin right after this. Franchise Today will be right back. But first, a word from our sponsors. This portion of Franchise Today is brought to you by Zoracle, providers of spot-on profiles, the gold standard of assessment tools that assure you're selecting the right franchisees every time. Unlike DISC or others that simply gauge personality or communication styles, Zoracle's spot-on assessments are all franchise-specific and based upon seven sciences that nail the results each and every time. Your prospects simply answer a few questions online, and like magic, Zoracle's algorithms scientifically slice, dice, and analyze their thresholds for risk, their business acumen, and even their propensity for single or multi-unit ownership. Zoracle's spot-on analysis is like having a crystal ball, but there's no hoodoo here. It's all based upon science that flawlessly determines franchisee, franchisor compatibility, and accurately predicts performance. Why don't you schedule a demo today and take a complimentary look and see for yourself. It's the closest thing to a sure thing. Zoracle, spot on assessments based on science, but delivering results that seem simply magical. Check them out at www.zoracleprofiles.com. And we are back with Jeff Dudin talking a myriad of things, all franchise-centric. Now, I knew about a book that you wrote probably five or six, maybe even more years ago. That was Hey Coach, right? That's correct, yes. And now you've got yet another one, which I didn't know about. But please, start with Hey Coach. What motivated that and how the parallels of that apply to franchising? And then we want to absolutely give you time to talk about Discernment, which is a brand new release. Thank you, Stan. I appreciate it. Hey Coach was a book that I wrote in an attempt to share my thinking and my model of thought around coaching that I had learned coaching over 30 teams of my kids' sports. And over time, like any good business person, you would assess what you did in the last season and you'd build on it and you'd make adjustments. And I ended up with what I felt was a really powerful way to lead a youth sports team. How do you take a group of 10 to 12 year olds in any sport and you have three to four months with them? And how do you give them real enduring value that they're going to be able to take with them through the course of their life? Not just how they hold their hands when they swing or their football stance or whatever it is. And what myself and my coaches that I worked with over the years came up with was a methodology of really setting expectations up front and in terms of a season and enlisting all of the parents, a very inclusive type style and really assessing everybody's abilities. And again, getting people in the right seats on the right bus, anybody that wanted to participate could participate. I mean, if we had a a team of 16 football players, we might have nine coaches out there, which seems ridiculous. But if everybody's willing to do their job and if there's a couple of people that really know what's going on, the kids get a better experience. And on top of that, you've taken care of some of the what happens in the car ride on the way home of why isn't this happening? 
happening or why is Johnny the quarterback, right? So we did it by using kind of three different tools. One would be uh, parent player rules. Another one would be a set of parent expectations. And a third one would be coaching commitments. And they're five to seven little phrases. And that was the fundamental for our program. And I guess at the end of it, if it all worked and we communicated this with the kids is let's just say that we show up for the championship game and none of the coaches can show up. Uh, They get stuck in traffic. You kids can play this game yourself. So what would happen is in the first third of the season, we would install everything. We had a plan, including trick plays that we would run in the championship. And we installed it all in the first month of the season. And then starting in the second part of the season, we would start to really culturally turn the team over to the kids and let them take leadership. And then at the end of it all, which we always would peak, you've got a a bunch of kids that are playing for the right reasons. There's no fear of them making mistakes. They're playing for one another. They are playing fast. They're playing loose and they're playing knowledgeable with great confidence. And I'm telling you, and the reason I wrote the book is because generally we would always find a way to win the league and people would come and say, well, what offense do you run or what defense do you run? How do you guys do that every year? And I would just say, I look at the kids and then I decide what we need to do with them, but it's a cultural thing. And people would say, why did you take the time to do so much coaching while you were busy building a national franchise brand? And I would suggest to them that one informed the other. If you can communicate clearly and concisely to a group of 10 or 12 year olds to get them to work together to manage their emotions, manage the expectations and execute on a complicated strategy of playing the game at the highest level they possibly could based on their age and their skills, then you can also communicate clearly to a franchise owner or a group of franchise owners. It's the same thing. You have to communicate clearly. Everybody has to know what's in it for them. And there needs to be a sense of a greater worthy ideal that people can buy into. And so the two to me were very similar. So at the end of it all, as I was heading towards the end of it, I said, you know, I'm going to forget all this stuff. And it started getting packed in a drawer as my kids got older. I said, I need to at least do my best to write a book that would share with people the philosophy of how we went through it. So I picked a baseball team and we wrote it in a fable style thing. So that's what Hey Coach is. Well, I'm looking forward to reading that as well as the newly released discernment. And I love the point you just made, and I don't want to gloss over it without just calling further attention to it. You said one informed the other, one was the other, because literally I've said for years that whatever your secret sauce may be as a franchisor in any brand, there's also, besides the nuts and bolts of what goes into the FDD about your trademarks and your marketing and your offering and your secret sauce, there's culture. And culture to me, second to having money to get started, the most important thing you need in a franchise organization is a strong culture. Everybody's seeing the same thing when they look north and being on the same page and having each other's backs. So hats off to you because that story was worth every minute of time. We just been talking about it and any franchisor that's emerging would do well to listen to that and listen to it again. Jeff, let's move on to discernment and your current release and tell us more about it. Happy to. Discernment is, it's a book about leadership and it's a book about decision-making and it is, the subtitle is The Business Athletes Regimen for a great life through better decisions. And discernment at its core is decision-making. It's a principled, effective, experience-informed process to make better decisions over time. And what I have come to learn is that life in business is never 100% absolute. I could walk out of this room right now and drop dead. Life is about probabilities. And the quality of your decisions impacts the quality of your life and the success of your business. And your batting average over over time, good decisions
decisions versus bad decisions or the quality or the the severity or the probability on the scale of how good a decision is, it's going to have a compound effect on the results that you get throughout your life. So what discernment does as a book is it shows you and it talks about the fundamental building blocks of decision making and how to intentionally incorporate these things, how to know what a fundamental building block of decision-making is, how to intentionally hone those skills, and how to develop models of thoughts around scenarios so that as you mature and as you create wisdom in your life, as you go through life and you go through business and you have experiences, then you are able to improve your decision-making and apply your process to scenarios. So really, I've come to believe that really our lives are illusions that are created by the decisions that we make. And Stan, if you wanted to have a different life tomorrow, you could make a different decision today. And it might not happen overnight, but if you make a different decision today and you decide that this is what you want in your life, then it can start tomorrow and it can happen faster than you think. Jeff, who's your target for discernment? Who is the ideal reader? So my entire platform is about entrepreneurial encouragement. It's anybody who aspires to be an entrepreneur or inspires to be entrepreneurial within the business that they're in. And I want to encourage people and I want to give people a set of tools. You know, we are so fast now with quick fixes and social media and likes, and it takes time and it takes energy to go through life and and really accumulate these experiences. So, you know, I want to encourage people to show up because half a life is showing up and nothing great happens until you get out there and you start meeting people and putting yourself out there and maybe being uncomfortable. So uh, it really provides actionable steps for people to grow and to learn and to apply. Would it be a book that could be read by those still in school, playing college ball, or maybe even professional? Would it be people that are already in business or thinking about business? Who's the ideal sweet spot or is there one? Anybody who wants to think about how they go through life, the feedback's been amazing. You know, with Hey Coach, it's available on Amazon. There's literally dozens of copies in print, right? It was not widely adopted, but the discernment book, it has really taken off. Off. There have been many copies sold and I've gotten notes from Germany. There was a picture sent to me by somebody who bought the book from Germany and read it. I've had single parents reach out and say, you know, this piece on values, I was struggling with my 14 year old and we were just not getting along. What I realized in reading your book is that we didn't have a set of values that ruled our relationships and what mattered. And we sat down and did an exercise and it really improved the relationship. There's been, I can't tell you how many people have sent me little quotes and said, you know, this applies to my business here. So it's really, for anybody who is open-minded to thinking about how they make decisions and how they look at the experiences that happen to them in their life. Great. I can't wait to read it. And as I'm looking at the clock, we're getting close to rounding down here on our time together. I don't want to get out of here without giving you the opportunity to help us learn more about what Duden Partners is doing and the family office. Yeah. So Duden Partners, we are we participate in some franchise brands from an investment perspective. What we're really passionate about is helping prospective franchisors who might want to franchise their business or emerging franchisors who are looking for some help. They've stood up the house, but they really don't have the paint and the carpet and the drapes in it. And they're trying to figure it out. They're getting a sense of what this is going to take, but they really need some seasoned advice. So we're looking to work with entrepreneurs who are interested in growing their business, inspired leaders who have worked hard and toiled to create something that not only has been good for them, but can be good for other people. And we have a variety of resources for these people that are very attainable for them to be able to really raise the bar 
far of their franchising knowledge. And then I also have a franchise sales organization called Frandevco. So anybody that's struggling with finding franchise owners or really wants to get up the curve on the franchise development side, very excited to talk to anybody out there who may want to outsource or get some experience around their franchise sales and get their system growing in a predictable and consistent way. I guess we've covered it all except how do people find you to learn more because a half hour with you is just not enough. Well, uh, you can find me at jeffduden.com and J-E-F-F-D-U-D-A-N.com. You can reach out to me on LinkedIn. I get a lot of messages on LinkedIn and I always respond to those. Or you can just shoot me an email at jeff at duden.me jeff at duden.me. Any of those ways. Jeff, this has been a real pleasure. And I think it's an enriching thing for this audience to take away the similarities, whether you've ever played ball or not, the disciplines of professional or even college and youth sports are very much the same as what it takes for you to build the culture that it takes to win in franchising. I think that came out very clearly in our conversation today, Jeff. Appreciate you being here and look forward to seeing you again out on the trail. Thank you, Stan. It's been a pleasure. Well, that about does it for today. What inspiring words from a guy who has virtually run the full course, conceiving a brand, growing it, even exiting all successfully, and sharing, caring, and helping others to develop themselves every step of his journey. The best part is, Jeff Duden is a long way from done. Thanks again, Jeff, for sharing with us today. Until next week, keep doing the best you can. I'm Stan Friedman, wishing you the best, the very best of all things franchising. And Franchise Today is out. Franchise Today is a production of FRM Solutions, providing best-in-class CRM tools to empower relationships with prospective and existing franchisees. No excuses, just solutions. Find them online at frmsolutions.com. Join Stan every Wednesday at noon Eastern for another live episode of Franchise Today. Or, as always, download episodes on demand at blogtalkradio.com or iTunes. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.